The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. This woman once identified as transgender, and she now has a warning for the church. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. This is such a critically important subject. You will want to share this with your friends. You'll want to share this with other parents. You'll want to share this with other young people. You want to share this with other pastors and Christian leaders. What we're speaking about today is very, very relevant. Michael Brown, welcome to the Line of Fire broadcast. The number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, especially focused on the subjects that we'll be talking about with my guest, Aaron Brewer, who helped found and lead the Compassion Coalition, 866-348-7884. Yesterday received an impassioned, angry, hurting email from the mother of an 18-year-old girl who now identifies as male, believes she has many different personalities within her, some of which are male, some of which are female, hence her desire to transition. She's deeply confused, but society is feeding her, is only destructive. We're going to get some real insight on these things, plus some Alarming news of what's happening in different parts of the world. My guest today, Aaron Brewer. Aaron, it's a joy to have you on the broadcast with us. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for covering this important subject that a lot of um, news outlets just are ignoring or really misrepresenting. Yeah, the fact is, back in 2004, God began to burden me about then what was more gay activism. Transgender activism was, was a little bit further downstream. And I thought, Lord, why are you burdening me about this? I don't have this in my background. I don't have a particular specific burden to reach out to the gay and lesbian community. And what I realized then, Aaron, was that this is, this is not optional. This is going to affect everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no sitting on the sidelines for this. And that's when I had it laid on my heart, reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion. Resist the agenda with courage. And really, this has come knocking at our doors. We have no choice but to cover these things, but to respond. So before we we talk about Compassion Coalition and before we talk about what's happening in different parts of the world and in America, what's your own background that that gives you a a special burden and even right to speak into these things? Well, it's interesting because I never thought that I would be speaking out about these. My background is actually very liberal. I came from a very liberal background. I volunteered for Planned Parenthood um, even, I think, as, as 10 years ago, so pretty recently. Mm. Um, and so you know, my background was always very supportive of um, LGBT causes. And I got involved with this because I got a, a letter from Equality Utah, and they were talking about a conversion therapy ban. And as I read through the letter, I realized that they were trying to ban the kind of therapy that I had as a child that helped me resolve my transgender identity. And at first I thought I must kept this wrong. This doesn't make any sense. And I got in touch with the director of Equality Utah, and he blocked me. He wouldn't have a conversation with me. I tried to meet him in person at an Equality Utah event, and he had me removed by security. And I started to realize Mm. this is a really insidious agenda. So the reason that I was so compelled to talk about it is because as a child, I developed a transgender identity. 
And thankfully, I had teachers and therapists who helped me to understand that I wasn't a boy. And that dissociative process that I had developed where I insisted that I was a boy was, in fact, a coping mechanism. And that um, that that self-hatred that I had was the result of a sexual assault and not because I'm inherently flawed, not because I'm born in the wrong body. And if I hadn't had therapists and teachers to help me understand that, I'm sure I would have been put on that path of, of believing that there was something so wrong with me that the only way I could survive myself is to become a boy, which is what the children today are being told. And they're being put on puberty blockers, which um, block their development. They retard their growth. And then they're put on cross-sex hormones, which permanently damage their bodies and um, cause infertility. And oftentimes, these teenage girls are having their breasts cut off. And all of this is because they're being told that, that these difficult feelings that they have are real rather than a coping mechanism. And these activists are systematically removing the opportunities to get the kind of therapy I got so that they can heal and instead um, almost requiring teachers and therapists to put them on a path towards medicalization, which is just incredibly damaging to them. Yeah, and and Erin, what we're finding out more and more, we've known it, but in shocking levels we're finding out that schools, teachers, administrators, counselors can be encouraging a, a girl or a boy 11 years old to begin identifying the other way, and that's how they'll be referred to in school. And the parents aren't even finding out about it. And then in, in, in a good number of states and, and localities in America today, if, if you are, let's say you're a 14-year-old girl, let's say you were sexually abused, let's say you're confused about your gender identity and really struggling, that if you want professional counseling and your parents say, yes, we want you to get it, that's illegal for minors in many states. And now there's an attempt in different countries to ban it for people of all ages. So we, we want to sound the alarm. We've been doing it. We want to do it again. But first, your, your, own, your own story, Erin, how, how old were you when you first remember thinking that you were a boy? I was six years old, so I was very young. Um, and it, I was you know, I went into school in, in the first grade and wanted to go to the boys' bathrooms, wanted them to call me Timothy. I was very aggressive with the other kids, and I had just incredible disdain, really, for, for myself as a female and thought, you know, kids have this weird magical thinking that if, you know, if they, if they believe something hard enough, it will come true. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept believing that it would come true. And thankfully, my school psychologist um, was called in to work with me because it was clear that there was something wrong with me. And as you said, teachers these days, rather than acknowledging that there was something wrong, will oftentimes um, encourage this idea that a child is born in the wrong body and hide it from their parents. And it's incredibly concerning that this is happening, that teachers, I I think they're grooming these kids into Mm -hmm. believing that there's something wrong with them. In my case, it, the underlying problem was this sexual assault that caused me to feel like the only way I could be safe was if I was a boy. But these days, we have little girls who are being told if they're just gender nonconforming, if for some reason they're a tomboy, yep. that, they're, that they're born in the wrong body, or as a girl starts puberty, if she's uncomfortable with how her body's changing, that she's actually a boy, and then put on this pathway towards medicalization, which is dangerous for her, but it's just dangerous for all the kids around her, too, because they're getting the message that somehow the adults in, in, the, this, in these children's lives can get it wrong. You know, the doctor assigned 
somebody the wrong sex at birth, mm-hmm. and the parents didn't know any better, and the teachers didn't know any better. So it really, it kind of um, erodes the very foundation of trust for these kids. And it's just, you know, when I think of what my life would be like if I hadn't had responsible adults to help guide me towards healing, um, I just, I would, it's devastating to think about, not to mention these interventions sterilize kids, I never would have had the opportunity to have a family. And, you know, my children have just been an incredible joy in my life. So mm. on just so many levels, this is um, a dangerous agenda. And and I didn't really understand how holistic it was until I got into it. You know, when I first um, heard about the conversion therapy ban, I thought, well, this is just, you know, misunderstanding. <laughs> it's just not understanding. But, you know, the more I've gotten into this, the more I realize this is, as you said, an international effort to encourage kids to embrace transgender ideology and really to sexualize kids at a young age because part of this ideology is talking to kids about their genitals and about other children's genitals when they're very young. Yeah, even even in, in preschool, there, there's mm-hmm. a video that went viral of, of a young lady, she's so excited, you know, she herself is gender non-conforming and she's talking to preschoolers and they're talking about all these things. She's all excited. And, and I commented on it, actually a church had asked me to address some of these same issues and I played that among other videos. I said, that's child abuse. That's, that's mm-hmm. nothing else than child abuse. All right, let, let me ask you a pointed question because you've been focused on this. You know, major players, organizations involved in a lot of the agenda. So, the best that the trans activists can offer, and they say, hey, we're trying to help and be compassionate. So you, you put Susie on hormone blockers when she's 10 years old, puberty blockers. Then, then when she gets maybe 13, 14, I mean, that, I've heard as kids that young, having mastectomies, maybe 15, mm-hmm. you offer that. In the meantime, she's going to the boys' bathroom, sharing the boys' locker room, etc. And And now... When she's maybe 19, if she wants, she can go. Now she's on hormones for life. She's going to be sterilized. Even if she decides to change back, you can't get your breasts back. You can't do these other things. Maybe you have full-blown sex change surgery, hormones for life. That's the best they can offer. Where we're saying, boy, if we could sit and talk with people, we could help get to the root of this and help them be at home in their own bodies. And somehow we're the haters. We're the bigots. I mean, what is driving this ultimately? Because it seems like moral and social insanity and yet someone said the society's bought into it. What's ultimately driving the agenda, in your view? That's a really good question, and I think there are a couple of things. One um, is that big pharmaceutical companies are making lots of money off of this. Mm-hmm. Once they get a kid on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, that child's um, reproductive system is never going to mature, so that child is medicalized for life. So even if they decide to go back, and live as, you know, live as who they really are and the sex that they really are, they're going to have to take hormones for the rest of their life because Mm. they've been medicalized and their body no longer is going to produce the appropriate hormones. So Big Pharma has a lot to gain from this. And I'm also seeing a lot of um, population control. And really, this is sterilizing kids. Um, It's a eugenics effort for kids, for vulnerable children. And I think that um, a lot of it is coming from efforts to control the population. And there's also, I think, behind it all, um, a strong undercurrent of normalizing pedophilia. And I know that sounds kind of strange, because what does, you know, what does gender identity have with, have to do with pedophilia? But they're, they're just trying to normalize all of these different identities. And um, 
and suggest that they're all, you know, inborn. And, you know, I'm increasingly hearing people talk about, you know, pedophilia is a sexual orientation and therefore should be protected like any other sexual orientation. And then you have children who are being talked to about, you know, they can't have genital preference for who they're attracted to. Um, they should be attracted to a person, not to their genitals. And they're t- talking to little kids about, you know, they're saying that, you know, boys can have vaginas and girls can have penises. And then they're encouraging little us. girls to put packers in their panties, which are basically fake penises. I mean, all of this is, is about sexualizing children. Yeah, it's, it's a massive effort, and it's coming from different angles. We come back, I want you to know what's happening in England and Canada and France and in America. We'll be right back with Aaron Brewer. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends. We're talking about something urgently important because this is something that is affecting the young generation in extraordinary ways. If you have a question for my guest, Aaron Brewer, 866-34-TRUTH, especially if you're a parent, if, if your kid is struggling, Many teen girls now are, are struggling with what is called rapid-onset gender dysphoria. Out of the blue, they begin to identify as boys. It's happening especially with teen girls, uh, often with those who are autistic or mildly autistic. So these things are just out there happening. We get the letters. We get the calls constantly from parents struggling, what do I do? Maybe you're a young person and you're dealing with stuff in the schools and how do I respond? Or you can call in anonymously just with your own issues if you like, 866-348-7884. Aaron, before the break, I asked what's behind an agenda that in so many ways seems so destructive. It's one thing to understand a gay couple. They say, hey, we want the same recognition of our marriage as a straight couple has. We want the same ability to to adopt kids or or et cetera. You you could understand. I I differ with that. Uh, I differ with that being what marriage is or God's best for kids, but you understand where this is coming from. But when it, when it comes to the the trans activist agenda, it gets so extreme, you know, supporting a a biological male swimmer uh, at the university of Pennsylvania, who's in the locker room with his male plumbing with ladies who's swimming and smashing their times and people are supporting that. It's utterly bizarre. Jordan Peterson was recently on with Joe Rogan, and they were talking about transgender issues, and he referred to it, uh, Dr. Peterson, as a sociological contagion, and then said if you open the boundaries of sex categories, that would fatally confuse thousands of young girls. And then uh, headline October 2021 uh, on Newsweek, Nearly 40% of U.S. Gen Zs, 30% of young Christians identify as LGBTQ, poll shows. So instead of something realistic like 3%, we're at 40%. How does it happen if not for the mass influence of media, social media, schools, other things? And those that simply say, hey, we just want to provide alternatives for those with unwanted same-sex attraction, 
And for kids who are gender confused, there are attempts to ban that. So, Aaron, catch us up with what's happened in Canada, England, and, and France. Well, in, in those countries, as well as my home state of Utah, there have been um, bans on therapy that will help children to understand the underlying issues that, that cause these um, difficult feelings that they're having. And as you said, a lot of these kids now um, are developing what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria, ROGD. And these are girls often who are, you know, very um, feminine most of their life and mm-hmm. then suddenly take on this transgender identity. And oftentimes these are kids who are not fitting in very well. They're very vulnerable. And what, what happens is as soon as they announce a transgender identity, they're celebrated. Everybody thinks that they're wonderful, and they gain a lot of control. Suddenly they can tell the teachers how they're supposed to address them. They get to go into the opposite-sex bathrooms. Um, they're, you know, they're given a lot of attention and celebrated as brave and authentic. And these are kids who, you know, who otherwise are not getting much attention, who are really struggling. And then, you know, you see it on the media. <laughs> you mentioned the media, and almost every show talks about these kids who are transgender. So there's this whole idea that there is such a thing as being transgender. And that's where I think that, um, you know, they, it's sort of been this insidious thing that, that there are people who actually believe that there are children who are born in the wrong body, that somebody can somehow have the wrong gender spirit mismatched with their body. And the irony is that the people who believe this are, you know, claiming to be atheists and agnostics much of the time. Um, they say they don't believe in God, and yet here they are saying that it's possible to be born into the wrong body, which is a very metaphysical idea. Um, but it's just, I, th- I don't think people understand how how um, this is everywhere. And as you said, increasing numbers are identifying as LGBTQAIT+, because if they're not part of that, they're really vilified. You know, if they're, if they're considered, they call them cisgender heteronormative. And those are the kids who who are comfortable identifying as male, as you know, as the sex they're born, and who don't identify as gay or lesbian. And these kids are almost the bad guys now. They're um, yeah. you know, because of critical theories. These kids are being taught that they're oppressed if they're one of these marginalized groups. But if they're if they're um, if they're one of the marginalized groups, then they're okay. And so a lot of these kids, I think, are adopting this identity as a way of opting out of being sort of the oppressor and being, um, now they can say, oh, we're, we're not the oppressor. We're part of the marginalized group. So it's really um, kind of flipping this, this idea of what is oppressed and what is oppressor on its head because um, actually these, these, these groups are very oppressive. Um, anybody who speaks out against them, as you said, is called hateful and bigoted. We've had, you know, most of us who are speaking out against this have had threats of violence. We've been threatened with losing our jobs. Um, this is not a kind and loving and tolerant no. uh, movement, as they're trying to pretend. It's very dangerous, and it's very they don't care about these kids. As you mentioned, they could care less what happens to these kids. Um, you know, they're interested in getting these kids medicated. They're interested in, in brainwashing them into this cult. And you can tell that because they don't allow questioning. If a child starts to question or an adult starts to question, they're just um, they're cut off. And these kids are told to cut off anybody in their lives who doesn't accept their transgender identity. So it's very cult-like and extremely dangerous. Yeah, this this mom that wrote to us, we've known for many years, my wife and I, her 18-year-old has completely cut her off. 
It's it's exactly <laughs> what happens with encouragement from her trans roommate who basically is controlling things. So the, the mom can't even talk to the daughter and to the mom's shock with all the daughter's evident mental instability and with, with some autistic history, she's able to get a testosterone shot at 18, her first shot. And the mother's mortified. These things are, are actually happening. You, you've had uh, custody issues where the, the child is taken from the father and brought over to the mother because the mother affirms uh, putting the, the kid on hormones and getting them sex changed and the father objects. They, t- they separate them, and if the father speaks out publicly, goes to jail. I mean, that actually happened in Canada. The, the term conversion therapy, I just want to say this briefly, that's not our term. That's the term yeah. that critics use, just like pray away the gay. That's what critics use. And I'm sure there were people in the past that had bad experiences where parents insisted, okay, you have to stop being gay, or you have to stop fe- – and, and, and they, they had difficult times, or they were forced to go to some kind of wrong therapy, whatever – I'm sure these things happen. I'm sure they happen in a thousand different areas as well. But all we're advocating is sitting and talking with people, either people who are trained in ministry or people who are trained in psychology or therapy, to sit and talk and to try to get to the underlying causes and then to help people find freedom and wholeness. And when I was on Tyra Banks talking about this, what, eight, nine years ago, I said, compassion helps the person be at home in their own body. <laughs> that's, it may be hard. May, you may need patience, may need time, but that's the goal. Hey, we, we've got two minutes before the break. I hope you can stay on a, a bit longer. Sure. But you mentioned when we were emailing something that happened to a colleague of yours in England, uh, trying to speak out about these things. Can, can you tell us about mm. that? Yeah, she, she actually um, she lives in a little town where it's very common for people to put stickers up. And she was putting stickers up saying things like, men should not be in women's showers. Um, keep women's spaces for women. And she was arrested. She was held in a, in a jail for, I believe it was 12 hours. And they got a warrant to search her home for, quote, transphobic materials. They went into her home. They took books and stickers and posters. And now she has, um, she's supposed to show up for, a, I guess, an arraignment in, at the end of the month. Um, I think that's happening in England. It's going to start happening here, too. It's going to start, you know, people who are speaking out about this are being deplatformed. Their YouTube stations are being taken down. They're being kicked off Twitter. They're losing their opportunity to share their stories. And it's really scary. So that's that's all. She, she didn't say death to, to this group or death to that group or mm-hmm. destroy these people. Or she said, keep men out of women's showers. Right? Keep exactly. women's spaces safe. And that's what she got arrested for. And interestingly, the opposition was putting up stickers that what that were saying things like um, "kill those who don't agree with us" or "we're going to shoot you." Um, and those stickers are okay. And so this this is I, it. Almost feels like I mean Jordan Peterson mentioned it being a social contagion. To me, it feels like a cult that has just taken control of our society. It's almost like a state a state religion has taken hold. And if you don't adhere to the state religion, you're going to be targeted. Yeah, and, and in fact, uh, people like you who said, hey, as a child beginning at six, I, I felt like I was in the wrong body and I wanted to be a boy and I was helped out of that, so I once identified as trans and no longer do. Uh, people like my guest Aaron Brewer, uh, they don't exist. They can't exist because this undercuts the whole narrative. If there's such a thing as ex-gay and ex-trans, then it's not innate and immutable. It's not that you're born this way 
and, and you can't change. So you must be canceled. Uh, I've had colleagues regularly uh, just email chain. Now, how many of you had your Facebook page removed? How many of you were blocked on YouTube, Twitter, whole channel stations taken down? And I failed to do this earlier, Aaron, but right before we take this break, where can folks find out more about you and what you're doing? If you go to uh, advocatesprotectingchildren.org, we have lots of information there. Or you can find me on Facebook under Erin Brewer. And um, there's lots of resources out there on the Advocates Protecting Children site. All right, advocatesprotectingchildren.org, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, friends, we will be right back with Erin Brewer. I, I want to talk practically. What, what do you tell your kid? Your eight-year-old says, I'm... I'm really a boy, I'm really a girl when they're, they're not. What do you tell them? And, and how do we push back and fight against this insidious agenda? We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. You know, in my book, The Silencing of the Lambs, which comes out March 1st, you can still pre-order your signed numbered copy at AskDrBrown.org. In that book, I have a whole chapter dealing with why are these lambs, these ex-gays, ex-trans individuals, why are they so dangerous? Why must they be canceled? Why must their very existence be denied? And then another chapter encouraging the church to stand with those who have come out of homosexuality, were once bound with same-sex attraction, or were gender confused and now found wholeness in the Lord, and maybe in various stages of growth and, and healing, and the church must stand together and say, hey, we give you a safe place and, and we rejoice in the testimony of, of your life. Uh, my guest, Erin Brewer herself, began at the age of six, identified as a boy and through the loving counsel of, of adults and those in the school, she was able to find the underlying issues causing that false identification and now is, is uh, proud to be a mother of, of children. Erin, obviously you're inundated with requests, with people asking for help, and, and things are reaching an epidemic level. And, and we are, you said it's like a cult. Uh, Jordan Peterson said sociological contagion. To me, it's almost like a mass demonic deception that so many are now saying, oh, yeah, I'm really trapped in the wrong body. This doesn't just happen. There, there are lots of different things contributing to it. But as, as you talk to moms and dads, and they don't know what to do. They're told the compassionate thing is to agree with whatever the child is saying and work towards a new identity. Are, are there some basic guidelines that you can give or common things that, that come up and you're able to help parents with, with some counsel or guidelines or resources? Yeah, that's a great question. Usually we stay away from counseling because we're not certified therapists. Um, But because of the conversion therapy bans, it's really hard for these parents to find a therapist who's willing to work with them, who's able to work with them in a way that they're comfortable. Because, again, I want to reiterate that that when we talk about these bans, we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy. We're talking about psychotherapy. We're talking about 
talk therapy that, that is no longer allowed to look at thoughts, behaviors, or feelings related to same-sex attraction or gender identity. And so, you know, that covers a huge gamut. I mean, even it even covers, you know, potentially a child who's got a porn addiction because that has to do with sexuality. So these, uh, these conversion therapy bans are incredibly harmful. So when we talk to parents, first of all, I recommend uh, Maria Keffler's book, Detox, Detrans, Desist, which is a book specifically for parents to help them navigate what's happened to their child. We often will tell them, you know, cut your child off from social media, take away their phone, and if you can, homeschool them. And that sounds really dramatic and kind of radical, but that's, you know, it's, we're talking about saving a child's life. And in the success stories that I've heard, those, those are the techniques that the parents have, have employed. I've even heard of parents moving to get their child away from the influences that are pushing this identity on them. I've heard of parents packing up and going on, you know, six-month-long um, RV trips. Um, and, again, that's not feasible for a lot of people, but it, it's, um, this is often the life of your child. We've seen, you know, I've talked to parents who, as you mentioned, they have no contact with their child, and they're seeing their child on social media, um, taking those pu- puberty blockers, taking those cross-sex hormones, having their bodies mutilated with surgeries, and they, they can't even tell their child they love them because their child blocked, blocked them. And so this is about, you know, the, the physical well-being, the life of your, of your child. The other thing is, is that, that, we, that studies have shown that children who go through these medical interventions have higher rates of suicidality. And so, you know, when we tell parents, you know, cut, cut, off them, cut them off from the Internet, uh, homeschool them if you can, and it sounds radical, but it really is about saving the life of their children. You know, as you're sharing this, I'm thinking back to this one case. We've heard from many, but this mother who, who was first very concerned because her daughter had always been a girly girl. It's not mm-hmm. one of those that had struggled like you did at the age of six. And it was only when she was probably mid-teens or older teens that she suddenly began to identify as a boy. And the mother and father could not figure out what was going on. They were very concerned. They, they knew that she was in a school that had liberal ideology and things like that. And there were not a lot of options in terms of other places where the parents could send her. And when they went and talked to the teachers, to their absolute shock, this is the, the mom and dad, to their absolute shock, they find out that the teachers were about to announce in school the next day that this girl was now a boy and this was her name. Their parents had no clue about this. Oh, wow. No clue whatsoever. And we just read about, what was it, a 12-year-old girl who was suicidal? And, and then the parents find out that the school had been counseling her to, to transition and she was suicidal over this. The, the parents had no idea. So they did pull her out of that. They, they did leave and... and uh, they were able to travel in another country for a while with the family and, and, and do some work there. And then when she found out about more details and more of the things her daughter was, was into, I'm just going to share this really quickly. Matt Walsh put a video up the other day on TikTok. The new thing is that, that kids are self-diagnosing with multiple personality disorder or some type of disassociative disorder. They're self-diagnosing. And they call themselves, as bizarre as it sounds, the system. And each identity is an alter, like an alter ego. And this mother is watching this, this Matt Walsh video. And she said, do you know anything about this? I'm literally livid. This is how it started with us. 
We'll call the daughter Rachel, went on some social media site, convinced herself she was a system with lots of personalities, like a hundred, and did this exact same thing. When I spoke to the psychiatrist about this, they had no clue what I was talking about. No one has been helpful with this. Why is no one talking about this? I'm so angry right now. Part of what the issue is with Rachel, she thinks she has several alters with all different genders. Why would any doctor give her testosterone acting like this? So this is TikTok, right? This is social media. So, and that's what's shocking is, is that doctors are taking kids who are suicidal, who are profoundly mentally ill, who have developmental delays, and putting them on testosterone. Oftentimes at the first appointment, Planned Parenthood will do it um, the first appointment. I've seen, um, you know, detransitioner after detransitioner talk about their experience. And it's, 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 uh, you talked about the person, multiple personality component. And I've seen some of the trans activists who, are, who have started to say that they should be able to get a birth certificate and driver's license for each one of their gender identities. Mm. That's how absurd this is. And, and yet, you know, that's, that's what they are embracing, this very dissociative, this fracturing of the self and, and banning therapists who want to help integrate these kids, who want to help them feel at peace with who they are. Um, it's sort of, I, I don't know... I'm a fairly new Christian, but it sort of reminds me of, you know, Jesus, you know, when he, when he came up upon the, the person who said, I am legion, instead of, you know, casting out all those demons saying, oh, that's great, you know, <laughs> that's great, you have multiple personalities, um, and that's not health, and that's not well-being, and, and you can tell that these, um, these people have such distress in their life, you know, they start down this path. And they're not happier, and they're not more functioning. And their parents will report this, that the kids become more and more self-destructive, more and more self-harming. Mm-hmm. It's a path towards self-destruction. And that's where, um, I mean, that's where I think at some point people are going to realize how damaging this is. But in the meantime, so many kids are being harmed. And it's just heartbreaking seeing these kids who, who are going to be destroying their bodies and having these um, doctors and therapists be complicit in what is clearly a damaging ideology and, and you know, this self-view, uh, this very splintered self-view, which is yeah. not healthy. And, and you know, Erin, before I was on Tyra Banks, I reached out to Dr. Paul McHugh, who had been the chief psychiatrist mm-hmm. at Johns Hopkins University and, and got the hospital to stop doing uh, sex change operations. They just reinstated that recently. And, and he said the problem is in the mind, not the member. And when I, when I wrote to him and said, have you been following the latest research and so on? Yes, I said, have your views changed? And, and he gave me a quote, which I've used many times, which this is not verbatim, but basically any, any biological treatment, medical treatment of a child to, to, to change their identity or to, to go along with transitions, et cetera. He, he just called it child abuse. So if you're going to have a, a medical intervention, you're going to put the kid on hormone uh, hormones, puberty blockers, any kind of surgery, rightly called it child abuse. But, you know, the ban in Canada, the, the so-called conversion therapy ban that went through with, with any debate and the so-called conservatives voted for it, that's for people of all ages. That's illegal. Again, I understand if someone had a bad experience and they said, look, I was bullied in school, and my parents made me go to this conversion therapy camp, and it was terrible, and I don't want it to happen to anybody else. We don't want that either. We don't want anyone to be forced against their will. 
And we want people to be able to choose the right to self-determination. That's what we want. And there's proven track records with excellent results with many, many, many people helped. Uh, And not only so, the most recent study that looked at people that tried to get help and it was unsuccessful. In other words, a man with unwanted same-sex attraction went for counseling. It was unsuccessful to change his same-sex attraction. There was no lasting harm with it. This is a recent study pointed this way. I'm just looking at this headline uh, about France. This was from January 26th. France bans, quote, gay conversion therapy with new law. And it says this, the National Assembly approved the new law unanimously voting 142 to zero. So, oh, wow. yeah, the propaganda is out there in such level. The good news is, and we'll come back, uh, take some calls and, and find out again about what you're doing and, and resources folks can find on, on your website. The good news, though, is, is that there is a pushback because Americans don't want to be racist, don't want to be bigoted for the most part. We realize mistakes we've made in the past, things we've done wrong to African-Americans, to Native Americans. And when people said, hey, love, love is love, and why can't two men marry or two women marry? A lot of people are like, well, yeah, why not? What's wrong with that, etc." But they didn't sign up for this. They didn't sign up for their 15-year-old daughter uh, on her softball team to be sharing a locker room with a 15-year-old boy. They didn't sign up for a 10-year-old to be put on a path of sterilization. They don't even understand what it means, and yet that's the path they're being put on. They didn't sign up for love. They didn't sign up for the multiple birth certificates, etc. So there is a, an awakening. There is a pushing back. Let it be done with love, but let it be done. We will be right back with my guest, Aaron Brewer. Don't go anywhere. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. You know we've been talking about these very issues for years now, but not just issues, people, people whom God loves, people for whom Jesus died, people created in the image of God, And our goal is not to push people away. Our goal is to reach out to people, but to stand up to destructive and yes, you can do both. You may have heard a special ad during the break, depending whether you're listening radio. Maybe a special Mark Stengler, and now for months, first part, and we've ever worked with in years. Now, daily live talk radio, but mission.com is going to use 10%. Dip. Got till midnight tonight, Tuesday night. Use the health code, capital E A L E H. When you do, you will actually get 20% off your orders. Take advantage of health supplements you can get. And then Dr. Stengler turns around the donation to our ministry. All right, we want to uh, go to the phones for our guest, Aaron Brewer. Aaron, first, please give out your website again so folks know where they can go to get some of these important resources. Sure, it's 
advocatesprotectingchildren.org. And um, we welcome people to email us if you have any questions. And one thing I wanted to just mention before the break, that another part of this whole therapy ban is that there are efforts to suggest that if a parent doesn't accept this transgender identity of their child, that they're actually committing abuse. And I've had parents whose um, school counselors or their child's therapist have, call- have called Child Protective Services on them for not affirming their child's identity. And this is an agenda that the UN has, the Special Rapporteur for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, is, is trying to get past um, international resolutions that would make just not affirming a child uh, conversion therapy. So not even talk therapy, but just anybody in that child's life who doesn't affirm their trans identity would be considered guilty of conversion therapy. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, you're talking about a real war on parents, about the war on parents, therefore a war on, on children as well. And and I mentioned in Canada, uh, you had a couple, I believe, separated. The daughter wanted to be called by a male name, 14 years old. The school was encouraging her in this direction. She wanted to begin to get hormone therapy. The father said no. The mother was in favor. The courts ruled against the father and then said, you are not allowed to talk about this case. You are not allowed to refer to your daughter as a girl or use her name, even in private. And when he spoke out publicly, he, he went to jail for that. I, I spoke with him on the phone. We may have, on the, have him on the radio to talk more about it. All right, uh, let's go to LaDonna in Fort Worth, Texas. You're on the line of fire. Yes, well, um, Are you there, LaDonna? Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Well, my first husband, yeah, my first husband was transgender. Uh, I learned about two years into the marriage. So what I learned was that transgenderism is a spirit. It would come on my husband, a perfectly good husband, at will. Uh, One night we were, when I first learned about it, we heard something like you hear in the horror movies, ooh, you know, through the vent. And my husband said, I know what that is. And he got up, and in the back of the closet, he got out a lady's outfit, a blouse and skirt, shoes. I didn't know what was going on, but he said, I've got to burn these. And when he burned them, the noise stopped. Uh, it scared him bad enough. Uh, you know, I found out what was going on, and it scared him bad enough to stay away, just not have anything to do with that. The more he would dress or give in to that spirit, the more entrenched it would become. And it would torture him. He could never look good enough. However good he looked as a lady, he could never look good enough. It tortured him uh, to be perfect. Well, a lot of the research is showing that, that men who have adopted a trans identity, it's actually a sexual fetish that they get aroused at the idea of themselves being a woman. And so when we talk about allowing these men access to spaces where women are vulnerable, what we're doing is we're encouraging that sexual fetish. And as you said, when somebody encourages a sexual fetish, it just gets worse. Yeah, and you think about the torment. I can't relate to it. I'm not minimizing it. Torment kids go through, but for sure... There's a better way. Hey, LaDonna, that's, that's a very personal, painful memory. Thanks. 
Thanks for sharing that. And let's, let's talk about this. Let's just say it's one in 10 males that now identify as females and have some sexual fetish or are using this just to infiltrate girls' bathrooms or girls' locker rooms. Let's say it's one in 10. Let's, let's say it's one in 100. You, you don't open the door to that. You, you don't give place to that. And, and let's, let's also remember that this is not a matter of, of quote, sexual orientation. In other words, there are, there are men who are deeply attracted to women, but they believe they themselves are women. They believe they are lesbian women trapped in a man's body. So they may, quote, transition to be female, but they're still attracted to female. And here we're opening the door. And then what about kids that if, if you work with the kid in different ways, maybe 80% or more of kids who identify as trans before puberty, after puberty, no longer do. But doesn't it change if you encourage that kid's identity and, and tell Sally you're now Sam and have him go to school dressed as a boy and using male pronouns and sharing the bathroom and get on hormones? I mean, it, it shifts it in a complete other direction, doesn't it? Well, and it's, it's, it's not compassionate at all to encourage this kind of dissonant thought process. Um, when we have girls who, who present with anorexia nervosa, we don't tell them that, yes, they are fat and that they should get liposuction because we understand mm-hmm. that they have Mm-hmm. that their um, thought processes are wrong, and we help them to resolve that. When we have a kid who comes home from school and says, I'm ugly and stupid, we don't say, oh, you're right. <laughs> we help them to understand that that's not true and that you know all, all of God's people are lovable. All of us have um, something to give to society, but when we encourage these difficult thoughts, when we encourage people to feel badly about themselves, when we encourage um, fetishes, you know, we know that uh, if somebody starts watching pornography, the more they watch it, the more they go into deeper and darker and more destructive um, pornography. And so one of the reasons that society has prohibitions and stigmas around these kinds of things is because it's protective. And what this movement is trying to do is remove the stigmatization um, of basically any kind of sexual fetish, any kind of proclivity, and try and normalize it. And when that happens, every single child is in danger. Yeah, it's, it's the truth. And look, in my book, A Queer Thing Happened to America that came out in 2011, I had a, a lengthy chapter comparing arguments for homosexuality with arguments for pedophilia. And I'm saying I'm not saying homosexuals are pedophiles. Every, every gay man I've ever talked to, if the subject came up, he thought it was despicable and horrific, etc. But in point of fact, all the same arguments are used. I was born this way. I can't change. It's, it's found throughout history. It's been affirmed at different points in history. It's, it's actually positive and beneficial in, in mutually consenting relationships. It's found in the world of nature. It was the exact same arguments that were used. And then some of the earliest gay activists were themselves members of NAMBLA, the North American Boy Love Association, and even talk of, quote, intergenerational intimacy, and now the attempt from others to destigmatize pedophilia. So, yes, I understand it's a separate category, but it's all in the same stream of, of attacking the norms, of attacking the norms of family, of attacking God created us male and female, etc. And, and that's why it's, it's so important that as many as possible raise their voices, 
in fact, Aaron, I'm scheduled to interview an absolutely non-Christian woman who transitioned to man who is now screaming at the top of her lungs, don't let this happen to the children. We must work together. Atheists, evangelicals, whoever, Republicans, Democrats, this is a war on children. And, and this woman has suffered terribly in her own life because of what she went through and said the same thing. A whole lot of money's being made, lifetime prescriptions to all kinds of drugs. And it's, there's a lot of money to be made. There, there's a lot of evil here that needs to be exposed. Hey, Aaron, one last time, give us your website. It's advocatesprotectingchildren.org. All right, so friends, check it out. See what you can do to get involved. And together, friends, we are making a difference, and we will make a difference. Aaron, thanks so much for giving us an hour of your time. We appreciate it. Well, and thank you so much for shining some light on this really difficult subject. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, great to have Erin Brewer and what she has been part of is known as Compassion Coalition because these things are about compassion. It's not about hatred. It's not about anger. Oh, I am deeply grieved over those pushing all kinds of nonsense on children. That grieves me and that angers me in in a holy way. I want them to find mercy and repentance as well. I don't wish evil for them. I wish them to find mercy and repentance and new life in the Lord. But to be pushing this on little children, the influences doing it, God help you, because God really has his eyes on these little ones. Back with you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.